Well, g'day everyone and welcome to The Journey this week. My name's Jude Hennessy and I'm bringing you this show on what is the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time. It's the last Sunday of Ordinary Time before we dive into the Lenten season, which is that six-week journey into Easter. Coming up later this week is Ash Wednesday, which marks the start of that season. We've got some great contributions from our wonderful presenters this week, including some from the Pieta Lenten series which has been put together by the Catholic Diocese in Wollongong. We've got some wonderful people who've contributed to that daily reflection guide. So you're going to be hearing from the likes of Father Sean Cullen this week. He's from uh, down in the Southern Highlands, parish priest at Bowral. He's going to talk about Lent and the call to renewed discipleship. Great to have Father Chris Sarkis with us as well. He's going to give his tips for Lent. Mother Hilda Scott, of course, she's with us each and every week. Wisdom from the Abbey is her much-loved God spot. She's going to talk to us about the power of the Word of God in both our difficult and our joy-filled times. Father Tony Percy, in his segment, The Word, is going to break open for us the understanding about the power of the Paschal sacrifice, of the mystery of the healing power of the blood of Christ which is directly connected to our, our gospel for this week, which we're, we're about to hear from Max Norton, from Mark 1, 40 to 45. And Father Tony will be adding to the wonderful reflection on this gospel that we've got from Father Mark D. Batista and how the kingdom of God cannot be enclosed. This reading today is all about Jesus healing the leper, and he was cured. Let's hear that proclaim now from Max Norden. It's from Mark 1, 40 to 45. It's the reading right around the world today, the gospel reading in any case, for the Sunday in Ordinary Time, Sixth Sunday. Let's hear that proclaimed after after we hear from Father Mark and his wonderful reflection on this week's scripture. There's a bit of music, Keith and Kristen Getty, His Mercy is More, and after the break, we'll be hearing from Mother Hilda Scott. Faith, hope, love and life, my name's Jude Hennessy, and thanks for joining us this week on The Journey. reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. A leper came to Jesus and pleaded on his knees. If you want to, he said, you can cure me. Feeling sorry for him, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Of course I want to, he said. Be cured. And the leprosy left him at once and he was cured. Jesus immediately sent him away and sternly ordered him, Mind you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and make the offering for your healing prescribed by Moses as evidence of your recovery. The man went away, but then started talking about it freely and telling the story everywhere, so that Jesus could no longer go openly into any town, but had to stay outside in places where nobody lived. Even so, people from all around would come to him. The Gospel of the Lord. And now, the Gospel Reflection with Father Mark de Battista. We're familiar with Jesus healing so many people. This leper was particularly humble and coming down, kneeling before him. And he asks, as Mark tells us in the Greek, in the conditional voice. In other words, he's not coming presumptuously. He's not coming demanding some kind of right. He realizes it's totally up to Jesus. And he's humbling himself in order that Jesus would be moved. And the response, of course, from Christ is that he is moved. The Greek word splagnistes can mean several things, but one of them means to be moved in the deepest being, if you want a literal sense, in your entrails. It's a very Hebrew way of thinking, moved in your guts, we might say colloquially in Australian English. And then, of course, Jesus heals him and immediately he is cured. But then he goes and tells him to, you know, not tell anyone, show yourself to the priest, don't tell anybody. And it seems a bit curious this part. Well, Jesus is actually fulfilling the law of Moses that we just heard about in the first reading. And so many times we will see, in fact, every Sunday we will see a connection between that first reading and the gospel. There's a common theme. So Jesus was doing nothing but actually telling him to uphold the law of Moses. But the twist is this. 
Why does Jesus tell him to say nothing about it? What's going on? Well, this is a theme we see in the Gospel of St. Mark, known among scholars as the Messianic secret. And I won't go into the details of that, but you can certainly read up about it and why Jesus does this. However, one of the reasons I'm going to propose to you is that Jesus does this many times, not only in the Gospel of Mark, but in other Gospels as well. And sometimes Jesus' request cannot realistically and reasonably be fulfilled, be put into practice. For example, when Jesus raises from the dead the little girl who had died, and he tells her parents, don't tell anybody. Well, how on earth can that secret be kept? He tells the blind man, mind you, tell nobody. Well, the blind man is going to start walking in different pathways and going to see things and he's going to recognize colors and all those sorts of things which he didn't formally realize and couldn't recognize. In other words, Jesus' secret couldn't be kept a secret for very long. And I want to suggest to you that this is actually part of the evangelist theme about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God cannot be shut down, even though we're told in today's gospel that Jesus couldn't go openly people still came to him because the kingdom of God cannot be enclosed. And so wherever your wound may be, I invite you today to trust yourself to Jesus. Ask him, if you want to, you can cure me. And ask with humility of heart and see what he says to you. You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Yeah. 
You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Now, Wisdom from the Abbey with Mother Hilda. We lost a most beloved abbess on Thursday the 24th of August 2006. One day we might get over it. We got word that she was sick and had collapsed, but I wasn't alarmed. I was just sure she was going to be all right. During the morning at prayer, I asked the Father for a word, and I randomly opened the scriptures. It fell open at Ecclesiasticus chapter 2, and my eyes saw the words, Prepare yourself for an ordeal. I knew then that she was gone. The Father had tipped me off before the official word, and I have been forever so grateful to him. I've been thinking about that recently, and thinking about just all those other times that the Word of God has encouraged and comforted me, given me direction, confirmed a decision, in fact, guided that decision, has told me over and over again that I am loved and forgiven. I hope as you're listening to me, you're thinking about all the times that this has been your experience as well. A fellow called Bernard of Clairvaux, who lived a long time ago, says of the Word of God, and says to God, I knew you were present in your Word by the movement of my heart. What about you? Does the Word of God move your heart? Close your eyes now and listen to these words from the Scripture and see which of them is meant for you. I tell you, Do not be afraid. Father, forgive them. You are precious in my eyes, and I love you. Though your sins are as red as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Take the words that sit with you. Take them away with you today. I promise you, your heart will be changed. Thanks so much to Mother Hilda Scott there. That was awesome. A reflection that she had that she entitled The Word of God and the Power of It in Our Lives. Now we've really got to let God just speak to us through his, his living word every day. Just want to give a big call out and cheerio to all of the people from the National Civic Council, from the Thomas More Centre, who ran a, a wonderful conference last weekend at Campion College called Democratic Conference 2024, wonderful talks on faith and family and education and even going so far as looking at strategic thinking in Australia around things like defence and and tax strategies for families. There were some wonderful people there and just buoyed me up to see all these intelligent, thoughtful, faithful, but also active people looking to bring their faith to the marketplace. Hats off to them. What a wonderful conference it was. You might like to check out some of the wonderful work of the Thomas More Centre. Just chuck that into your, your search engine. Anna Crone is doing fantastic work there, as well as Luke McCormick, who was the National NCC president. He did great work in bringing this conference together, as, as well as the Democratic Club from Campion College. And, gee, there were some clever people there. I was just in awe of so much of the conversation that was going on and, and the great talks, including from people like Greg Sheridan and Monica Dumit. Great thinkers, prayerful people looking to be active and to bring the light of Christ and truth into the world. Congrats to them. I hope you'll be able to talk to some of them in the weeks ahead about uh, some of the fruits that have come out of that conference. Coming up now, here's Chrissy Metz, the song Talking to God. After the break, we're going to hear from Father Tony Percy. His segment is The Word, and he's going to talk to us about blood healing, power of the blood of Christ. We'll also have small sons and daughters in that mix as well, a bit of music from them. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy and thanks for joining us this week on The Journey. I was catching up with an old friend Nothing too heavy, just checking me How's it going, how's your mom then? And for once he talked more than me Said I hear a lot about you around here Yeah, I know it's been one of them years I get it, man, you do the best you can Still wind up on your knees I was talking to God last night About what things happened 
on the journey faith hope and love for life in all its fullness
The Word with Father Tony Percy. So welcome to week six in year B. This will be the last ordinary Sunday we have for quite some time. It'll be early June when we return to ordinary time because Lent is on its way next week. And of course, we're in year B, so we will have the temptations of Christ according to Mark, which are very brief, but again, uh, very pertinent and very dramatic in Mark's usual style. What we have today is a healing right at the end of chapter one of St. Mark's Gospel. If you remember from last week, we have the healing of Peter's mother-in-law and the language that Mark used was like a symbol of the resurrection. He raises her up after he heals her. That's what Jesus does, Mark says. And that same verb, which was used to uh, describe what happened to Peter's mother-in-law is used of Christ himself when he's raised by the Father. So we made that connection between the healing power of Christ as a sort of foreshadowing of the resurrection. Well, now here in this particular healing, as we finish chapter one of Mark's gospel, we, we really are sort of brought into the mystery of Christ's blood. So we're really, Mark is really, I think, trying to help us to see the tremendous connection between all of Christ's words and actions and the paschal mystery, that is Christ's suffering and death and resurrection and ascension. So the healing of the leper, to my mind, there are three very important levels to this particular miracle. Of course, the first level is the leprosy in and of itself. Leprosy today is called Hansen's disease, but everyone seems to know it as leprosy. One of the most uh, debilitating and deathful uh, diseases, maladies you'd ever want to have. If you can see descriptions of it, you can read about descriptions of leprosy, but looking up the images on, say, the internet would uh, be quite shocking for a lot of people just to see the extent to which leprosy makes great inroads into a person's uh, bodily existence. It, it simply wreaks havoc, really, upon those that contract uh, leprosy. Secondly, the uh, on this first level, the, the second point to note is that it leads to a deep sense of isolation, that the only way to contain the disease was to isolate people. It's sort of an amazing reality that we, I suppose we experienced this in COVID ourselves, that isolation seemed to be the best way to contain things. Well, that's still very, very true of many things, and including leprosy. And then, of course, there is the uh, social dislocation, which uh, comes as part of that isolation. People feel terribly cut off from community. And then in ancient Israel, of course, that meant you couldn't have any participation whatsoever in temple worship. So no community faith, that was all excluded because you were a leper. So there's level one, very uh, potent, diabolical meaning really for those that contract leprosy. On a, on a second level, uh, Mark, right at the end of the miracle, says this. He says, Jesus could no longer go openly into any town. This is because the leper was told not to tell the story, but he did. He couldn't uh, keep his mouth shut. He was so joyful about it. So Mark says Jesus could no longer go openly into any town, but had to stay outside in places where nobody lived. So what actually takes place is, yes, the man, the leper is healed, but Jesus himself suddenly becomes a leper, in inverted commas. He himself now begins to experience what the leper himself had experienced, that is the isolating power of leprosy. This is in and through his own actions of healing leprosy. And again, you can begin to get a sense of the foretaste of the exclusion of Christ and the rejection of Christ. So the third level comes when the leper is told by Jesus to show himself to a priest and to offer the prescribed sacrifice for the cleansing, which is given to us in Leviticus 14. Our first reading this week is Leviticus 13. But if we would read on a little bit further in Leviticus 14, you would read this, take two clean birds. This is the, the offering prescribed for a healing of leprosy. Take two clean birds, one sacrificed, and the other to be dipped in the blood of the sacrificed bird, allowing it to fly away free. Very interesting indeed. Our, our good friend uh, Mary Healy, in that marvellous commentary which I'm recommending to you, simply called The Gospel of Mark, this is what Mary Healy, a very fine biblical scholar, says, If the cleansed leper had in fact complied with Jesus' word, that is, to go and offer the sacrifice, which he didn't, he went around the, the countryside and blurbed to everyone what Jesus had done for him, so you can hardly find fault with him in a sense. So she says, If the cleansed leper had complied with Jesus' word, he might have discovered 
a symbolic image foreshadowing Jesus' own sacrifice. That is, the bird, two birds are taken, one is sacrificed, and then the blood of that sacrificed bird is then poured all over the other bird who flies away with blood on his wings as a symbol of freedom set free by the blood of the other. And so, yes, he may well have intuited, my goodness, I've been set free by the blood of Christ. So there's those three levels, with the last level being incredibly meaningful for us who celebrate Mass. The body and blood of Christ is celebrated for us, making the one great sacrifice present for us in our celebrations. And it's a good reminder we just stop then and think that all healing, all of the healing that we will have in spirit, soul and body, all of it comes from the blood of Christ. What a wonderful message there from Father Tony Percy, being set free, healed in spirit, soul and body by the the blood of Christ. And connecting that back to today's gospel, we heard at the top of the show around the healing of the leper from Mark chapter 1, 40 to 45. Ash Wednesday this week marks the start of Lent, a time where Catholics attend that day, church, a holy day of obligation, get marked on their foreheads with ash, sign of the cross on ash, just reminding us that uh, this life is temporary, but we're called to eternal life. And in the midst of that, we've got to unite ourselves to Christ continually, making that choice daily and surrendering to the Spirit, continually being converted, renewed, a journey of repentance and renewal and healing. And that's what Lent's all about as we journey to Easter together. And to speak about that, after the break, we're going to be hearing, first of all, from Father Sean Cullen, who wants to talk to us about what it means to be a disciple. That's very much what Lent's about, just examining the areas where we need to Listen to God and be drawn into deeper discipleship. That's after the break. Lauren Daigle first up, the song Power to Redeem. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy, and thanks for joining us this week on The Journey.
faith, hope, love and life. This is The Journey. Now, another Lenten reflection. Here's Father Sean Cullen. Jesus didn't just go around indiscriminately recruiting disciples. He spelled out certain conditions of discipleship and no one could become a follower without meeting those conditions. The first thing a follower must do is deny self. This sounds unpleasant and unreal. The concept conjures up visions of a a miserable, lifeless kind of existence. The condition here is that we deny ourselves, not that we renounce life. It simply means that we get ourselves out of the centre. We must acknowledge that we are not the hub of the universe. No one can lead a selfish life and be a follower of Jesus at the same time. Either one or the other will prevail. So the first thing we must learn if we are to be disciples is to say no to ourselves. Next, we must take up our cross every day. To most people, this means resigning to some kind of unpleasant experience. It could be a physical ailment, a family problem, a struggle with identity, or any number of things, and the person involved says, this is my cross and I must bear it. This is not what Jesus had in mind. In his own life, the cross was an unpleasant experience, but more than that, it was a symbol of his commitment to the Father. He was living life according to the will of God, and nothing could deter him from that, not even a cross. These are the conditions of discipleship. Get self out of the centre and put God there, and then follow in Jesus' steps. In other words, translate these principles into life. Let us pray. Lord, help me to understand your will for me and provide me with the strength to do it. Amen. Thanks so much to, to Father Sean Cullen there pretty strong message that no one can lead a selfish life and be a follower of Jesus at the same time. And and a lot of the self-denial that is connected with uh, this Lenten season, just making some hard choices, extra time in prayer, maybe some time in fasting, is a reminder to ourselves, particularly in our flesh, that um, the Spirit's in control. We're being born of the new of water and the Spirit, then uh, we can do hard things. We can tighten our belts. We can be austere. Just like doing hard things in physical training, we can do hard things in spiritual training, just uh, hardening ourselves up for the battle. So thanks to, to Father Sean Cullen there for that little section from the Pieta Lenten season, a daily series of reflections and gospel readings and, and uh, scripture readings that has gone out to about 80,000 people around the country are journeying through that in daily prayer right through the Lenten season. And Father Sean's input there was on discipleship. Some great music coming up now. Chris Tomlin, God of Calvary, and BJ Thomas, just a little talk with Jesus. After the break, Father Chris Sarkis is also going to share with us his reflection this week that appears in the Pieta Lenten series and his tip for Lent, this six-week journey we go on with Christ walking towards Jerusalem and the cross. Faith, hope, love, and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. We're getting near the end. So glad, though, that you joined us on the journey.
I'm from Minnesota in the United States, and you're listening to The Journey. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. Just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us have a little talk with Together on the journey, faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. Now, another Lenten reflection from Father Chris Sarkis. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may be faithful in your sight. What is the purpose of Lent? It is, quite simply, to prepare our heart, mind and soul to enter more deeply 
into the paschal mystery of our redemption by the sacred passion, death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and thereby to become more closely united with him. Yes, I hear you say, but doing that is not so easy, is it? Well, I have a simple and concrete suggestion for you that may help. It will require a commitment of time each day of perhaps 15 to 20 minutes. Choose a gospel. I suggest Mark, as we hear mainly from him this year in our Sunday gospels. And each day, read half a chapter. You will get through it over Lent. Choose a time and a place where you can be alone without being disturbed. It can be in a church, at home, a garden, or any place that is quiet. Spend a minute or two recollecting yourself. Then make the sign of the cross, followed by the invocation, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may be faithful in your sight. Then slowly read half a chapter. Don't think too much about it, just read it slowly and let it sink in. Then sit for the rest of the time in still and quiet prayer, allowing God to speak to you. Give it time. He will, but in his time, not yours. And at the end of Lent, make a really good examination of conscience. But be warned. If you take this seriously and follow it through, you won't be the same as when you started. Taking God seriously has that effect. Let us pray. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may be faithful in your sight. Amen. The Saviour alone carried the cross for all of my days. He paid the cost. Salvation complete. Now forever I'm free.
great song to finish the show, Reuben Morgan Calvary, and a great input with tips for Lent from Father Chris Sarkis. And a bit like uh, Sister Hilda, sorry, Mother Hilda Scott did in her segment, just reminding us of the power of God's Word and to take time to dive into that right throughout the Lenten season. What a transforming and life-giving and renewing thing that would be to dive in even more to the Scriptures during this Lenten season. Thanks to him, thanks to Father Sean Cullen, Great to have Tony Percy, Father Tony from down in Queenbeyand, Mother Hilda Scott and Father Mark Dubatista at the top of the show. Really lucky with the quality of contributors we've got on this show. Hope you've enjoyed it. We will be doing it again next week where we will be in the first Sunday of Lent. It'll be game on. We'll be uh, on the journey towards Jerusalem and doing that as a faith community together, recognising what Christ did for us at Easter. Looking forward to the resurrection, but recognising there's no resurrection without the cross. Lots to talk about in that regard over the next six weeks. Hope you can join us next week. We've loved bringing your show this week, and I hope you've uh, hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've got something out of it. Thanks to all of our partnering radio stations right around the country, so many of them, and to anyone who's listening in via a, a different method, be it a, a podcast, or maybe you get our email each and every week through jcr.org.au. Drop us a line if you'd like that. We'll send it to you. Lots of people like to listen in again and listen to it a few times in the week, just really dwell on some of the stuff that they've heard in these God spots from these awesome people, just like we've had this week. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. Been great bringing you The Journey this week. The Journey is presented by Jude Hennessy and produced by Max Norden on Darawal Country in the office of the Bishop for the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong.